Welcome to the Culture Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Walker, along with my co-host and brother, Ernest Childs. We're here to talk about the same old stuff we chop it up about every other day. To be real, we talk about anything, but the aim of this podcast is to have an open discussion about everything. It'll be spiritually based, but in real talk, so you won't have to worry about us sugarcoating the topics. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. And if you don't, well, there's probably somebody somewhere who think you are right. Enjoy the show. This is what it sound like when we roll in the hostile open. All these people, all these drugs that could fit the ocean. They say they can, they say they can't tell me what they smoking. Making waves, making waves, making real commotion. This is what it sound like when we roll in the hostile open. All these people, all these drugs that could fit the ocean. They say they can, they say they all right, whenever you're ready, I'm ready to get it started. All right. All right, back. It's another episode of the Culture Rose Podcast with the host, Jordan Walker, co-host, Ernest Childs. What's good, bro? What's going on? What's good with you? What's good with you? Living life, man. You know, we were just telling you, I went out on a 20-mile bike ride today, got a little... Uh, running in yesterday, keeping up my health, you know, trying to keep everything nice and spiritually clean, doing my meditation during my downtime yeah. and keeping my body in tune. Yeah, yeah, I just at a home by house. He said he always take his Sundays to, you know, reflect, you know, pray, make sure he's good, you know, mentally and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, taking that time out is most definitely an essential thing that I think a lot of people really downplay. But, you know, we all getting there, getting to understand, taking time to yourself is very important. Yeah. Cool, cool. That's true. That's true. Nah, but uh, today I was thinking about, well, we did, let's keep it real with the people. Mm -hmm. So, at first we were thinking about talking about, you know, the benefits of having an active father in your life. Stuff like that, father figure, uh, that kind of male guidance for young men. Because I was thinking about, you know, looking at just what's going on now. We see so such lack of leadership, uh, not just at government levels or, or, or state levels and stuff like that, but even in the home and stuff like that, you know. And um, I remember this video comes to my mind when I remember when everything was kind of going crazy, you know. Uh, there was this, this man who spoke to this 16-year-old boy, you know, trying to plead with him and, and, and tell him that, you know, we got to learn better ways to go about, you know, voicing our, voicing our opinions. We got to find another way to, to go about and uh, affecting change and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you know, just looking at where young people are right now, it's like, dang, it's just such lack of leadership. So, but instead of talking about, specifically about, okay, fathers or whatever but okay the benefits of of just male leadership and what we think are some of the the pitfalls or some of the lessons that young people are just missing right now which are leaving them uh in a sometimes a disadvantage i would say yeah yeah word, word. sounds good sounds good i'll let you lead the way all right but but I think first, and I, you know what, we can we can make this. To be honest, we don't really have to fixate on guys either. We can just say male leadership it's, in general. It's overall in general. Yeah, because you, know, you can see it like, in everybody. You can see it in everybody. females that are missing yeah. a certain figure in their life, yeah. men that are missing a certain figure. Like we join and get different jobs, have bad managers, yeah. and we don't know how to deal with that how to talk our way through things or just understanding how to shut up sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i was uh, so i would say you know one thing one thing i noticed about when i when you get inside you, i can i can go inside a house and a lot of time not all the times but sometimes you can walk into a household and you can tell if there's a is there, if there's a male figure there Yep, you know, or, or not even not even that. I would just say uh, uh, a male figure who's actually 
active in the lives of his family there. You know, a lot of time I saw this thing. It was like, uh, it was like, you know, people think that the way their kids are dressed is a reflection of their parents. It was like, no, the way your kids behave is a reflection of the parents. Yeah, it's not kid. always. It's not. It's not always like that. Yeah, kids are some gonna bad dress. Kids like that. I mean, kids but, are gonna want to express it, express themselves however they want to. Like this new generation, I would look at the way they dress and be like, "Y'all, y'all look funny," but that's what they want to do. You know, my parents thought, you know, the whole like slim pants thought that was weird, and then now, yeah. now everybody's doing it. Like dress, how they dress, I don't think is. Now, if you're walking around looking dirty, you know, looking like that dirty kid from Charlie Brown. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking, I was thinking, when I was thinking about like dress, though. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> when I think about dress, though, you know how sometimes you have parents they go all out trying to get their kids. I'm talking about yeah, like young kids. Yeah, you know? try, like, like, like babies with the. I'm, like I guess you know, trying to buy everything, Jordan, uh, and, and I'm like, like no, it's so hard. Food. It's so hard to knock that because it's it's what they want to do. As long as they putting food in that kid's mouth and raising their kid. If you want your kid to walk around, you know, looking like Jay-Z fresh out the club, that's fine. But, you know, that I guess that, should, that might just be some some people's prayer. I personally wouldn't do it. No, that, that's not the problem. The problem is this, though. Yeah, parents are so concerned about what their kid's wearing, but their kid's are bad. Yeah, if they bad, if they bad wearing brand new clothes, like, that bad. that ain't good. Like, that no, ain't no, man, no manners, no respect for authority. No, don't know how to talk to people. It's like, oh, but they looking fly. Like, what point are your kids looking fly or looking good, but they attitude messed up? You know, it's like, where is the leadership? Where's the guidance there? You know? Yeah. I think there's a, you know, because you can have a father figure physically present, but he, he can be not ain't emotionally <laughs> present. You know, it just ain't really there. Putting time in you know uh there for some reason i i think and for some reason we parents want to be there for the tender years they want to be there for the toddler years for when they first start talking they first start walking and all these kind of things but it's like the further they go on in life they want to be more hands-off and i'm not saying i'm not saying that you know parents should be strict or nothing like that like they should they should put their kids in like a, a cage and be that kind of hands on. But as far as like actively still talking, uh, communicating, teaching, instructing, it's like the the older they get, as soon as they stop being able to, as soon as they can start walking on their own or, or doing little stuff on their own, parents tend to just, I've seen this trend, they just give them a phone, give them a tablet and leave them to their own devices, you know? And it's like, yo, then now you're, you're taking the responsibility of, of raising and teaching your kids out of your own hands, you know? And so you have, so you have this happening and, and parents become so ha- hands off that when they kid does something, when they're older, like 13, 14, 15, they're shocked. Like, I don't know how my kid could do this. It's like, but you have not been there. You have people going inside the house and they don't even talk to, they, they don't even talk to each other. You know, yeah, communication breaking down is really important when a kid's growing up because you could give them that tablet and you know they're learning everything from you know Peppa Pig and all the other little tv shows that they watch but if the parent doesn't actually teach them like you would apply that in this situation or just watch them as they grow up because you'll see kids do certain things because kids don't really know any better if a parent doesn't actually guide their kid or like actively if they're not active in their life like my sister um uh, when she, when COVID first happened and she started working from home, she made it a point that, you know, she will wake my niece up when she woke up to do her, um, her computer work. She would just be like, you know, Dylan, Hey, you're a part, you're a part of the crew. You're my little assistant. So I would just, whenever I would talk to her, I would see her waking up and she's like shaking Dylan awake. And she was like, Dylan's like, no, I don't want to get up. And just like little stuff like that, you know, a kid doesn't know that, you know, kids typically don't wake up at that time. But since your kid isn't even going to school anymore or going to nursery, mm-hmm. it's easy for them to fall out of that habit and just get used and comfortable to like, oh, this is easier. This is this. This is that. Like just little interjections in a kid's life make a big difference over time. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's true. And I, I think there's a certain there's a certain um there's a certain desire for attention of a parent. You know? Yeah. Like that's why they say abandonment is such a cruel thing. The absence of presence is a cruel thing for children. You know, because there is a a a, a, a true desire and need for the attention, affirmation, the guidance of a parent and the care and affection. There, there is something in the building blocks of, of people that need that, you know? And um, it's like, you can tell when, when it's not there because now you have kids trying to get that attention somewhere else. Yes. And so they kind of they kind of start off <laughs> life with a attention deficit. You know that they're, they're trying to trying to like almost pay back, you know? Yeah, right. Like I got I got 18 years of neglect that I'm trying to <laughs> catch up on in life and and you know because they haven't had that attention that they needed that that affirmation, the affection, the conversation and stuff like that. They now look for this stuff in different places. You know, some may stumble and actually find a good uh, role model somewhere. And, but a lot of times, people find themselves seeking attention from things that are not healthy, whether it be uh, a manipulative uh, boyfriend or girlfriend. Only or fans. It could be. On, yeah, yeah, only fans. Like, Boy, Derek uh, Kobe, people, everybody. I cannot get away from ads of join my OnlyFans this that like yo oh my gosh like stop <laughs> like why is that your way of making money ten dollars per subscription like come on just go get a job somewhere like like this is gonna be with you forever I don't, I don't even know like is that is that a hard lesson that parents just aren't teaching their kids nowadays like hey if you put your body out there like social media is extremely open it's gonna be there forever and you'll be labeled as like you know, I don't even know if that that's technically a sex worker, but which, you know, there's nothing, whatever decision people want to do, that's the decision you want to do, but it comes with consequences. Like That's just how it is. Yeah. If you're going to go out and post your body all across social media, it's the same thing for people that go and say wild stuff on social media. It was a dude at our base that got into some stuff. I don't know what happened to it because it's out of like my level's hands, but he was on Twitter posting wild stuff. Like, wow, mm. enough for somebody to call us and make a report about it. And we routed it up and like, it, it affects you. It affects you. So like, what lesson are some of these kids not learning? And I don't even know, I don't even know how to even get, get a better understanding of it. Cause there's so many people that are fine with doing a lot of this stuff. Like it's not a rarity. It's. It's abundant enough. There's, I, I could say there's probably more people with messed up heads than people that are just kind of in a neutral zone. Because I, I like to think yeah. that I kind of grew up in a neutral place because my dad, he was in my life, but he didn't live with me. So growing up, I kind of had to figure out a lot of stuff on my own for the most part, uh, especially at a public school. It was mostly just fighting and just figuring out, like, is this the right way? And eventually my mom put me into fighting classes. I had more role models around me. And I just kind of understood after I started fighting, I was, it was just, I don't care to fight other people anymore. Now that I have an understanding of it, I'm not. there's nothing for me to prove. I figured out fighting wasn't just something you do to hash out your differences. You could just use your words. Fighting is more so for self-defense. Or if you like fighting, you could do boxing or UFC, MMA, all that stuff. So... I don't even know where the line could be drawn for some of these people that didn't learn lessons. Cause even though my dad wasn't around all the time, I didn't grow up wanting to be a drug dealer or wanting to, you know, take the easier route in life. But other people that had very similar backgrounds for me, cause most people from Lovejoy had parents that were divorced. They grew up in a very, you know, different way than I grew up. And that might just be because of the people I was around. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to unpack, but a, yeah. a lot of it yeah. does start 
at the house in the first place. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I, but I think a lot of times people don't realize the impact of, you know, the time between birth and five years old. Like, those are crucial moments. You know, there are, um, I was reading this book called Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Coleman. If you guys have a chance to get that book, I, I highly suggest it. Um, and the premise is basically of his book is managing emotions. Basically, managing emotions are, are, are the key to life and key to success, whatever you do. You know, being able to manage, uh, you know, different things that pop up emotionally is going to mean huge success. No matter how high your IQ is or how intelligent you are, the, the, the playing field changes once emotions get involved. So, and it's, it was, but it mentioned how adolescents, you know, toddlers, they're, they're, there's a certain impact that they receive from being hold, held and coddled and stuff like that in infancy, you know, that affects them as they grow older. Because the thing is, you have, this is like going along with attention from parents, you have, uh, before your, your, your frontal cortex is developed where your thinking and rationale brain is formed, your amygdala is formed first where that deals with your emotions. So there are, there are things that babies experience emotionally before they even have the ability to understand or even put into words what has happened to them, you know? And so you, you have some kids, they grow up traumatized from things in their young youth and they don't even know they don't even know what it is because it happened during the time where they couldn't even they didn't have words to describe it you know so it's like that attention even at the early stages is so key that that develops trust that develops intimacy it develops communication and the thing is you know a lot of times parents don't continue all the way through you know. Yeah, and continuing all the way through, and this is a, a part that I kind of want to get on to, is just as, you know, people harp on the importance of raising a kid in a certain environment and doing everything you can for them, that only does so much because once puberty hits, emotions get involved, a lot of what you taught in the prior years is really just like on the chopping block it's really just going to go anywhere it wants to go so the bigger question for me is what do what should people do in their later years in life because after about between 18 and 21 or you know be around that time uh, age is where a lot of things start to solidify Things are just, during the early teen years, those are just kind of mixed emotions and hormones and a lot of other stuff that's just kind of going on. Going into some, your 20s, a lot of things are starting to solidify. And at that point, you've been on the earth for 18 plus years. And a lot of people, and from what I see just in general, a lot of people give up on people if they get to the age of 21, 22, and they still haven't done that much with their life. And people would it's an easy write off to say i wasn't raised right i've been through this i've been through that a great book i went through was can't hurt me by david goggins and he's had one of the roughest you know children you know childhoods ever like he went from a dad that didn't that cared more about the money than he cared about the family a mom who was in an abusive mm -hmm. relationship a torn family between him and his brother because his they both they both didn't know who they wanted to stay with. The brother got along better with the dad. The dad hated David, so it wasn't healthy. The mom eventually had to just jump ship eventually. And he went through a lot of stuff, went through a lot of failures in his life, was 250-plus pounds overweight, and he eventually molded his mindset to becoming, from getting kicked out of the Air Force, from being overweight, to joining the Navy SEALs. And after failing that, entrance test so many times like he's he's a real come up story and a lot of his mindset was forged later on in life when he went through a bunch of stuff and we're people are more accepting of you know writing off a kid as he'll grow out of it 
But thing is, is childhood isn't the only thing that a lot of people could grow out. There's a lot of immature adults who go through their life and it takes them a lot longer than most to get over certain humps. Most people that we graduated with still live in the same area, which isn't a bad thing. If their life is going great, fantastic. But like, what do we say when it comes to those people? Like, how important is because the parent parents don't just parents or father figures or mother figures or just leaders don't stop after you leave the house. That's a continual mm-hmm. effort beyond that it's about the follow-through it's not just about oh well he's a legal adult now he's 18 he can make his own decisions no a lot of people are still going through a lot of mental anguish beyond 18 some people can go into their 40s it was a senior master sergeant at my base in alaska who killed himself and after the investigation they figured out he was still having father issues this dude is an E8 in the military, and it was bugging him that bad about past five. He hadn't lived with wow. his parents in decades. And people still go through this type of stuff to a level where it actually affects them that deeply. So in no matter how many good figures you could put around you, some people just end up trapped in that mindset. And yeah. I don't know exactly what his case was or who the leaders were around him, but... Personally, I try to be somebody that could be relied upon, irregardless of how somebody grew up. If they grew up messed up or if they grew up great, I'll always be a very open person. And I also advertise myself that way. Airmen, feel free talking to me. All the guys I supervise are very open, almost kind of like hysterically, like we in a weird way, but... It's just the crudeness of the military, but they're very relaxed around me, and that's what that's how I want them to feel. Because to develop them even further as a leader for them, it's not just about me telling them what to do and what not to do, telling them what works yeah. and what doesn't work. Some of these guys came from places where they've never succeeded anything in the first place, so they're terrified of the idea of putting themselves out. Even though I tell them, like, it's okay if you fail, I'm fine. I will not get mad if you fail because taking that, you know, uh, something that somebody said, I can't remember who said it, but you can't make a shot you don't take. You can't miss a shot you don't take. You have to take the shot in the first place in order for you to figure out what's going on. Kobe didn't become Kobe by not shooting the basketball. Kobe became Kobe and LeBron became LeBron. Everybody, all the great athletes were brought up from failure at some point. Nobody is born a goat. Nobody is born a great leader, born self-sufficient. Some people could come from a household where they had everything given to them. They had everything that for a norm for most people would say that's the perfect setup to succeed and then they end up ass out because they never actually mm. learned how to utilize the tools that were already there. They just knew that they were already there. They didn't know where they came from. It's like a kid who never knows how food came on the table. He just understands how to eat. It's always, it's, I think it might be a deeper issue beyond childhood because a lot of people I graduated with are still struggling with a lot of deeper things that I've got over that I've gotten past maybe in my, like when I was like 20 or 19, but uh, it, it really comes down to who's around you and the continuation of good leadership. And um, I had a question to provoke a little thought. Um, okay. Because um, a saying goes that the way somebody, the character of somebody t- is typically a reflectance of five people that they just attach themselves to. That's Mm -hmm. generally Mm -hmm. how people learn. Babies don't come out and just know how to speak, know how to walk, know how to talk. They imitate people. Humans just imitate each other. And we gather knowledge and tailor it to what works. So the question is, is like, what five characteristics have you taken? At first it was from other men, but from other leaders. Like the five most important characteristics in general, I guess, you could think about yourself because it's not something most people think about. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and you're right. You're, it says even even scripture says bad company corrupts good morals. So I even I even see it this way. You have 
some people who grew up good family, good household, was taught values, was taught the right way, was taught all these things, even follow through, but they got to a point where they they got with the wrong crew, got with the wrong uh, environment, and that environment began to erode uh, some of the some of the good uh, character qualities that they that they were raised on, you know. And that we see, we even see that happen sometimes, you know. Uh, but a lot of times you see this though, where you know you have uh, a family where the parents may have dropped the ball as a kid on the, in, in the childhood, right? But then they get older, and the parents, whether they mature or they 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 like, okay, I really want to be involved in my daughter or my son's life. And they really did make a change, but because they have blundered the 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 early building blocks, it's hard for the child now as an adult to be able to like be okay. How do I take this attention? How do I take this this longing to be in my life when you really wasn't there in the beginning? You know, so you, you see a couple things like that that could affect the way people go about you know how they are now as a, as an adults. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of factors truly a lot of factors and something else um that I want to hit on is as you grow because as you're older you f- begin to form your own mind once you're independent your own beliefs become your own beliefs the way you do things are yours and the way you grow from there is going to be on you if you regress or if you progress yeah. a lot of it is based off of the company you keep at the same time there's a moral and conscientious decision that you do have to make at the end of the day. Is this good for me? And some people are really in bad situations, and I feel for them that the environment they're in just isn't a very productive one to grow in. But yeah. A big thing that I ask myself is do I acknowledge my shortfalls as a man, and what do I do about it? And this applies to everybody. Like, what shortfalls do you understand? Some people are bad at multitasking. Some people are bad at relationships. For most men, I was talking to my sister about this earlier. A lot of men are afraid of the idea of marriage, for example. That's that's a shortfall of my own when I do start to meet women. And it doesn't, it, it does play into how I grew up. And what was around me because my parents weren't were divorced when I was really young. And it didn't affect me to the point where I didn't value women in any type of way. It affected me in a way where I was very conscious on making a decision on who would be the right one for me. And within that, I kind of got swallowed up into being extremely nitpicky. I was ve- mm. I was very meticulous with everything. Even though I never I never pushed anyone in away necessarily, but I also never really invested that much into the time and giving it my all because there was just a piece of me that always had the that I thought I would think like I don't see this, I don't see that. And I would play more onto those than the potential of growth. Because over the years, people change, things develop. Nothing is going to stay the same from the day you meet somebody to the first anniversary and so on and so forth. But that's one of my shortfalls. And something I've been practicing is just getting myself out there and not being so nitpicky. There's, I, I really hashed out what I will not accept in that list I'm not saying how short or long it should be, but it should be manageable to where you can experience different things. And I'm still yeah. very slow to the idea of marriage. Very slow, but I'm very open to it at the same time. I'm not going to sit here. But it took me it took for me to be financially secure, which is the thing for most men. For any women that's out there, you know, begging and pleading for marriage. If men aren't secure within themselves, a marriage is a not going to be a great idea it can work out but you're really playing russian roulette with that like i wasn't secure in my own finances in my own education and within my own abilities if i were to leave the military now i'm very secure in all of that my ets is coming up pretty soon and i have 
very little fears. The most I'll miss is just the people. But I have a plan set up, a very in-depth plan. I have a place. I understand I need a place to stay. I need food in my mouth. I need health care. And I need transportation. All that I have hashed out already. But I had to acknowledge in the first place that when I was younger, all those things were factors as to why I was so abrasive or so against the idea of really committed relationships for a long time. Because I wasn't even committed to everything that I've done so far. And sometimes it takes a good woman to come across and teach a guy it's okay to be unaware. It's okay to not know what's going to go on. And that wasn't something I ever asked either one of my parents. Just, I don't think a lot of people really ask their parents about stuff like that. Most men are just like that. We don't fantasize over the romances of marriage. We, we're more focused on ourselves for a long time. And as we develop over the years, we kind of mold more into the idea of a marriage. So now I'm 100% good where I'm at, but it did take a while for yeah. me to get there. But I think also, too, people not having that conversation. And But a lot of times parents probably not having a conversation because they don't feel confident in that conversation. So, you know, because parents have fears, too. You know, they, that, you know a lot of us, uh, you know, I, you ask around, a lot of us did not receive these type of conversations about in-depth about marriage, in-depth about sex, in-depth about money, a lot, a lot due to, you know, parents, a lot of times not feeling confident or, or feeling well-versed in those areas themselves. Yeah, a lot of parents still figuring out themselves. I know plenty of parents our age that are still figuring things out for themselves, but the least they're trying to do or are doing is just providing for their child. But I could sit here and tell them dozens of things to do that could better their life financially. But some people just don't want to do that. They're not in the right place to do that. Parent, we put so much weight into the word parents or the idea of it. But at the end of the day, parents are just like everybody else. Just as that kid is growing, the parents growing. But they also got to raise that kid right. Yeah. And that that's something on yeah. them that they're just trying to figure out throughout their life. And it's it's been a real odd game of leapfrog is kind of how life is. Yeah. Because a, a, somebody's child could easily surpass the parent mentally, physically, uh, spiritually. It doesn't really matter where they begin at over time. If the right aid doesn't come, sometimes parents learn off their kids. And uh, another thing that, another question I want to just kind of throw out there to provoke people, provoke thought, is what do you see in others that you can admit that you don't see within yourself or something that you don't agree with? Because the parents that are growing up and seeing their kids that make a decision later, and the parents saying, I wouldn't make that decision. But if that's in the best interest for the child, or at least in the best interest for the child at that moment, we can't, it's almost impossible to say how beneficial it would be unless it's something clearly wrong, like robbing a store, continuously getting in fights, those type of things, and honestly, continuously getting into fights. Some people just have to learn the hard way. That's a bad idea, but... uh, that's just something to provoke a little thought is, you know, what do you see in yourself that, what do, what do you, uh, what do you see in others that you don't agree with or you just don't understand how to address in the first place? Are you like from a, from perspective of a parent or just what I see ge- just in, in general? In general, it doesn't have to be a parent. It could, you could be supervising somebody and they could be doing something that you don't fully agree with, but that could just be a better route for them to do it. All of us have different styles of figuring things out. Sometimes you just have to let people fail. If they're going to make a clearly bad idea, like one girl um, that I work with, I don't supervise her, but my friend does. Uh, She's getting a house with her husband, and she wanted to get a house that's about 30 minutes away. Her husband doesn't have transportation to and from work, 
So I suggested to her, probably move somewhere closer because a taxi ride five days a week, you know, for a 30 total hour drive every day minimum, that's going to add up over time financially. But she wanted to live in a more comfortable, happening, you know, part of town. And I could have kept sitting there arguing with her, but I just told her, I was like, you know, fuck it. You got to make your decisions. So whatever decision you make, go for it. If you need help later on, I'm still around. And she ended up not, you know, choosing the further place because the more she thought about it, she was like, yeah, that that's illogical. Sometimes you just got to give people the room to think about that type of stuff. Or even if they mess it up, I told her, like, hey, I'm still here for you. But I'm just letting you know right now, that's a dumb idea. But you got to make your own decisions. I can't sit here and try to protect you from everything that the world throws at you. And that's hard for a parent or a leader to release is you're releasing that person into the unknown. And ultimately, that's always going to happen. Because at some point, you're going to have to. You can't live the rest of your life babysitting somebody. You have to teach them the best yeah. way you can and how they work out or what happens is how it's going to happen you being there is the most you can control yeah because you gotta if you don't prepare your child to be independent you're doing them a disservice because you're because what you're doing is acting you're, you're you're acting like as a parent you're acting like you're always going to be there like you should you should there was a line in the movie i think it was black panther and it was like he, he it's when uh, Black Panther went into the into the spiritual realm and went to his father and talked to him. And he was like, you know, a father who does not prepare his child for his own death or departure has failed as a as a parent. You know, and it's like, you know, what did you do? And as a, and it's kind of kind of harsh. I'm not gonna say it that. I don't want to say it that hard. But like, you know, if you did not set your child up to be independent, to 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 um be self self-efficient not saying they can't come back to you for advice not saying they can't come to help because they need a support system everybody needs a support system but like you said joe you don't want to cripple a child where where they're when they're in a position where they're trying to push out and and start out their family on their own or start a business or do something they want to do they they find it hard because they they have this strong attachment or this symbiotic type relationship to their parents Yeah, um, I just, I, I give a little bit of freedom to the world when it comes to people are just going to be who they are at the end of the day. But parents being in their child's life or somebody being there is important. And on the other hand, as you grow, you have to understand, you have to keep your optimism open. You have to be accepting the change. And that's harder to tell somebody who's gone through some hurt. It's hard to tell somebody who lived in a very poor area, has gone hungry days, barely had any clothes to put on, that things are going to get better. You just got to trust life because if they live their whole life like that, it's very hard for them just to be just to trust the words you're saying. So you have to build a support system around it like, hey, if this happens, then I'll be here for you and you actually have to follow through with it. Yeah. It could happen at anybody at any point in life. That's just life in general. I don't I don't try to be too harsh on parents because some parents did their damnedest. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And there's a simple principle there. You, you can't give what you don't have. Yeah. You know? You can't give what you don't have. So in this in this talk here, you know, I'm not, you know, hope people don't feel like we're trying to, you know, point fingers or say, dang, you know, highlight bad parents. Heck no. Parents are, every parent is different. Every situation is different. And they give the best they can. They do the best they can. And they can only give what they have. But I, I hope this talk right here really sheds light to people who will be parents to, to take that responsibility to educate themselves and grow because, your family depends on it. Your family, your son, your future son, your future daughter is depending on you to learn as much as you can about finance, learn as much as you can about budgeting, learn as much as you can about 
uh, self-control. Learn, learn as much as you can about organization and, and, and keeping a house and all this kind of stuff. So you know you're in the you you're in the best possible position to lead and develop a child. You know, because like like I said, we said like we said before, you can only give what you have. So if you can constantly, if you can have a mindset, like I know Jordan has his mindset, he's always trying to learn, always trying to develop, always trying to grow, always trying to become better. If you have that mindset and drive, you all you put yourself in a position to always have something to pass down. You know. Yeah, and sp- and it, it's. Oh, go ahead. I was about to say on being able to pass down what two qualities would you say that you have that you'll want to pass down on to a subordinate, a child, a wife, anything? Like, what would you say are your strong suits that you emulate to others? Oh, man. I would say um, learning how to to manage anger, mm-hmm. number one. I think that, that was probably one of the biggest things my dad taught me growing up. I had a moment where I lost my cool, and he, in that moment, in the height of my anger, like one of those angles where you're crying, your fish is balled up, and you know, you're enraged, and he he used that moment to be very stern with me. You know, and a lot of times you, you know, a lot of times you would think in those moments where you would try to coddle a kid or try to comfort them, where he saw a moment where, okay, my son is in a moment of, he's almost at a point of blind rage, and I have to use it as a, as a teaching moment to show this is not what you do. It's okay to be angry, but don't don't let your anger consume you to a point where you do something crazy. Because there are so many people who are in good positions, who are things are going well for them, but something comes in, and and and, and causes them to become angry, and they do something in a split second of anger. If they just would have took, if they just had the 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 emotional intelligence, just the the wherewithal to know to recognize what is happening. And, and take the steps to either remove themselves from the situation or learn how to de- de-escalate the situation within their own mind so they won't do something crazy and they, they wreck their life. So I would say learning how to manage anger would be one thing I would tell people to learn how to do. Uh, and number two, oh man, I would, I would tell people to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Mm-hmm. If you do those things, if you can listen more than you speak, and then you can manage emotions well, especially anger, you will do well. Because, like I said, everybody's good. If no, if there's nothing emotionally draining, there's nothing that's emotionally triggering. Man, people can fire on all cylinders. It, it, it's perfectly fine. But the minute that you bring in something that's going to call emotional distress or anything like that, that's where things are really tested. You know, we have people who do amazing in school, uh, great academics, uh, great test scores, great IQ scores, uh, great internships, but they do something whack, wacky. Like, they, they go out and beat somebody or kill somebody. You're like, yo, people are like, we never expected it. He was just such a good guy. She was such a good woman. She had this, this. and they always reference accolades. Oh, he or she was a Test uh, a great uh, uh, honor roll student. Oh, this this person was uh, a great at this, but nobody addresses the emotional. Nobody knows about the emotional health of that person. How good are they at managing stress? How good are they at managing uh, anger and stuff like that? That is that is the test, and that that is like what either makes people or break people. How many times have you heard it, Jordan? Where not in major situations, but even just regular stuff, uh, where somebody has got into a disagreement and did something out of anger and when the anger subsides they're like oh damn what did I do but by yeah. that time you already said something you, you you shouldn't have said or you did something you shouldn't have done and it's like you know rationally that was wrong but emotionally you allowed, you allowed it to take over and you did something rash you know so I think those are probably, probably, probably the most uh, the best things you could possibly learn I would say to be successful in life Right. Uh, and in contrast to that, what are two things that you feel others could reinforce in you? Mm, oh, mm. I would say for me, 
I'm always trying to work on efficient time management and efficiency or organize. I say wrap it up in organization, uh, developing, uh, systems, a good system, you know, and, and being able to stick to it. So I would say, uh, organization and consistency. I think those are, those are key things I would love to continue to be reinforced in because for me, I have more of a go with the flow type kind of approach, which is good at times, but there has to be a healthy balance of, of, of flexibility, but also structure as well. Right. Right. And, uh, how do you feel when people correct you on that part of your life and what do you do to reinforce it for yourself? So say if Denialy tells you, you know, it's time to go and y'all end up being late for something or it just ends up taking longer, whatever. What do you do? How do you feel when, cause for me, one thing that I get reinforced that I need reinforcement on is just focusing sometimes yeah i get over focused or it's either i'm over or under i'm typically on the right path most of the time but every now and then i kind of start focusing in everything but the direction i need to be in and i can say when people correct me on it i get annoyed it annoys the hell out of me but i'm able to sit back think and I do have people I could talk to and say, hey, am I bugging or is this the right way? Is this the wrong way? What's up? And I do have that company around me that could help guide me in that direction. But I know my reaction to somebody correcting one of my flaws is irritation, but it develops over time because I just take a step back and accept it for its face value to begin with and develop it later on and my reinforcement to it is just setting reminders in my phone for instance oh uh, today in the meeting they said we have to do a b c d i would ask deeper questions like which one has a higher priority so which one if i'm going to be focusing on three things which one of the three things needs to be put first because if it's Mm going to be up to me I'm probably going to go for the one that I know how to handle the quickest first and do everything else in that order. But if the hardest one needs to be addressed in the first place, tell me so I can wrap my head around it to begin with and kind of time manage some of that stuff. So what how, how would you say you react to people correcting you on your shortfalls and what do you do to reinforce it? Oh, man. Uh, actually, I like being corrected. Even though I know sometimes, uh, you know, it can... I think for me, I like being corrected, but there is a certain way I like to be corrected. So in in the moment, say it comes off the wrong way. Because for a lot of people that's listening and a lot of people that are grown, that are going through their things, they're going to have a boss that's a dickhead and is going to say things. It's like basic training. When the training is the MTI, we have MTIs. I don't know what drill sergeants. But when they tell you, don't listen to the way I'm saying it, listen to what I'm saying, that was probably the biggest lesson I got out of that because they're screaming everything at you. It could be something as simple as go that way. They're screaming it as if you messed up. And a lot of people don't react to that very well. So, but what matters the most isn't the initial reaction. It's how you tailor that reaction from that point. Because somebody yells in my face, I want to slap the shit out of them. But, of course, that's a terrible reaction. What I mold that into is something completely different from how I initially interpret that message. So, like, what what's that side of it? Like, say if somebody does come at you and tell you, like, you're shit at your time management. You need to get your shit together. Oh, like, you're probably going to get annoyed at that. But... I, to, be, to be honest, for me, um, it also depends how close I am to the person. Like... You know, if it's if it's somebody like a leadership or something like that. Yeah, let's just let's not... just say worst case scenario, your commander's just being an asshole. Oh, okay. Um, you just I think that's that's you have to. They have this phrase where you say, "Chew the meat, spit out the bones." You know, where you can take the corrective part of it without taking the the delivery personal. I guess you could say, which takes a little bit of maturity to do. Yeah. Because then that, that, that requires self-reflection, that requires honesty. 
where you're going to have to, one, be honest about, okay, I don't like the delivery of that, which you do have to address because you don't, don't just, don't downplay on emotions because feelings are indicators. You know, they're not directors, but they indicate something. So never disregard them, but I acknowledge everything that you, that you see. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got the information. Boom. First, if I wrote it wrong way. So let me first address that. All right. Why did I feel like that? Oh, I didn't like his tone or maybe I was tired that day or whatever case may be. Yeah. You, know, you can, you can throw that away. Okay. Dealt with that. Now it's like, but what was he actually saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. He said the, he or she said this, 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 and this. Okay. Does this have truth to it? Now this way you, you have to be truthful with yourself. Yeah. You know, are you willing to, to admit on your own shortcomings so you can grow? And I think that just comes with maturity, but I think a lot of times you got to just understand that just because you're being corrected is actually benefit. You got to just know being correction is beneficial. Yeah. You know, and if you don't, you'll never grow. But yeah, that's, that's just, you just got to learn that, you know, hopefully you, you were taught that in the home from parents, but a lot of times people may have got more criticism than correction. Which criticism and correction are two different things. Mm. So, uh, but, but yeah, just for me, um, in that situation, I would like to say I would address line by line. Okay, how I felt, deal with that. So now I can think logically without the emotions being involved, and really just take out and extract the the good lessons I can take from it. So yeah. Right, right. And last thing for that, how much would you say? you practice being in the uncomfortable say when personally i expect more bs to come to my way than good things which but i I come from a real i i I matured from a pessimistic uh, mindset to a confident pessimist mindset which sounds weird but to me a confident pessimist is just i expect nothing more than what I could do. Whatever comes beyond that is greater. Whatever it lies at is my own abilities and I'm very comfortable within my own abilities. And I'm also comfortable in conveying, I don't know if I'd be able to do that in this time frame, or you're gonna have to elaborate. And even if they come back at me with a bunch of sideways left, right stuff, that's fine. Take, take it for what you want, but I'm telling you what my abilities are and I'll, come across professionally of course because you can't just you know spout off at the mouth but I practice that in general like today when I went on a 20 mile bike run that was more of a meditation for me you know I put on a book an audio book and just started driving and some of the some of the routes had the wind blowing directly in my face other ones were downhill and easy but I kept pedaling no matter what even going downhill, I kept a little bit of a pedal up to keep myself going. Just to help my mindset of things are going to be hard. A 20-mile drive on a bike isn't very comfortable after a while, but I know I can do it. And if I can't, why? And I, I stayed within a distance of my own house where if I needed to just walk with my bike back, I could. But I practiced being uncomfortable in the first place, but in a very controlled way. So what would you say? Would you say that you practice more in the uncomfortable or do you lie somewhere else with it? Nah, I like the uncomfortable. Uh, Cause I like, I'm a, I am a uh, healthy optimist. But the thing is though, I'm an optimist cause I, when, I'm a very optimistic person, but people fail to realize that I always consider the worst possible scenario first. <laughs> always, always, always consider the worst possible scenario because there's going to come times where the worst possible scenario is actually going to happen. You got to realize, find out how am I going to respond? Yeah, less than you less know? than your ex- expectations are going to happen. I'd say over 80 percent of the time. My expectations are very rarely hit on the head, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be satisfied. You, I don't have to have 100 percent of my satisfaction 100 percent of the time. Yeah, that was just my little interjection. You can continue. <laughs> yeah, but uh, now you good, you good. But uh, but yeah, that that that's my thing. I I I got I'm 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 I try to be real. You know, I I I hope for the best. 
always, but I also have a plan for the worst. You know? Yeah. And uh, I think that's that's just a, a good way to approach it. You know, you can be optimistic, but also watchful. You know, um, be as, the Bible says, be as cunning as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. You know, so it's like, yeah, you come with with good intentions. You come with with gentleness. You come with all this stuff, with temperament, everything. But at the same time, be be vigilant, be watchful, be observant, be constantly learning, constantly trying to uh, observe the terrain and what you're dealing with, and that that really does put you in a in a good 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 place. Yeah, and. Whenever, for me, whenever things start to get uncomfortable, I always fall back to my own meditations of, you know, say like the 20 mile bike ride. Was it, how uncomfortable was this and why is it uncomfortable? And I start to take things apart, just kind of try to move my way through it, see if there's an actual problem in the way, or if it's just something that I'm uncomfortable with in the first place. And that helps me get through a lot of the surface value things that happen that I don't agree with is I just take I'm and I'm willing to take the L sometimes from most of the time. I'm willing just to sit back and admit that my point might not be getting across right now or I may not succeed today. I was trying to talk to my supervisor, trying to work out a different PT program because we don't have. PT accessibility at the base, but they want us to do something. Her idea isn't really rational because she keeps trying to argue, oh, well, these guys are the because she wanted to run like five miles a week and record it Mm. and send it to us with the Nike run app. And I told her that's not very practical because most people don't want to run five miles a week. That's 20 miles a month. Multiply that times 12. That's over 240 miles a year. Most people do not want to run that far ever. The only reason she kind of thought up of the idea is because me and a couple other guys were doing it, but that's because it was just friendly competition between each other. It wasn't nothing mandated. It was just us doing our thing, and we always encouraged others, but it was up to them. We were putting up wild miles, but yeah, and I'm just trying to pitch to her hey, a better idea, we could just do the PT mandate of how far a normal run is, and we could have them record some other workouts on a couple of different apps so they could, you know, suffice for the run, the abs. Push-ups are pretty straightforward. You just kind of got to do them. I could tell them how to do them to get better, but push-ups are very general. But she was on the idea of, oh, well, leadership wouldn't like that. They wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do that. And she's a very fearful kind of person because she doesn't want... I I just told her, I was like, we already have an idea set that they agree with. There is no harm in asking. And it might just be coming from my mindset of there's no harm in asking that, you know, she may know something differently that either just didn't get conveyed or whatever. But just understanding that she wasn't willing to ask them something like that i eventually just stopped trying to petition it because i was telling her even if guys were actually running five miles a week that's very damaging on your joints it's not healthy to run that much for most people unless you're a competitive athlete that's kind of too much and for people that haven't been running consistently five miles a week and she tried oh well that's less than a mile a day i was like you can keep saying these numbers if you want but a couple of these weeks that are going to pass, people are not going to run five miles. And I don't know how you're going to enforce that if the gym isn't even available to us in the first place. Yeah. But that's true. Yeah. I would say that's a, that would be a wrap on the pot. I know you got to go and get, get to your scheduled shindig. Yeah. Yeah. We got pre-marriage counseling in uh, about 20 minutes or so. So Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff, man. It was, actually, his top really worked out. Really worked out. Yep, yep. That was that was good. That was good. I feel better too than I did last podcast. I was drained, man. I was I was mentally everywhere. <laughs> 
But um, I'm back now, man. I got my structure. I got my my system back. You know, making videos again. So feeling good. That's good. Always got to take a little time out for yourself. Don't ever be afraid. Got to. All right. It has been another episode of the Culture Bros Podcast. Thank you all for listening. We are out. We out. We back, baby. <laughs> This is what it sound like when we roll in the hostel open All these people, all these drugs that could fit the ocean They say they can, they say they can't Tell me what they smoking Making waves, making waves, making real commotion This is what it sound like when we roll in the hostel